0: For me, it's been a home run in two ways, on the racetrack
1: and also building our brand here in Australia in our business. i finished first or second
2: every year since 2005, which was... uh...
1: I knew it was
0: first before, and I proved it right. It's it's motor
2: racing, you know, you can't really just look at the last race of the
0: year. You have to look at, uh, it starts at Adelaide and ends at Newcastle. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars.
2: Welcome to Inside Supercars, another big week as we prepare for yet another mountain challenge. A big show this week, Craig, with Mark Fogarty and John Bannon joining Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock.
3: Yep, it's going to be great to have a chat to uh, Fogues and John. Of course, John Bannon has just written an interesting story about the Kostecchies for Supercar Magazine. And uh Kistecki's certainly one of the teams in the frame to pick up what is now a vacated... Third triple eight license, but I think the line of how many people want to uh, get that entry is actually growing by the minute. Charlie has openly said he wants to go to two cars. Um, he, in some way, feels that that will help his young team improve its performance. And uh, Phil Monday has has openly said he thinks he's a year or two early going to two cars. However, licenses don't bob up that much, and if it's on the market now, maybe you have to preemptively take that license to um, make sure that you can do the expansion you want. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Um, As for other supercar team, uh, sorry, uh, super two teams that might want to step up, well, Matthew White has found a niche in in Super 2. So I don't know that he would necessarily want to move up. Eggleston's um, have got a very successful business there as well. So once again, you don't see them necessarily putting their hand up for it. So um, it could be a race between one Super 2 team that does want to take the step up and then uh, at least one, but maybe another that wants to expand.
2: Well, in fact, uh, interesting, because Kostecki brothers uh, grabbed their first uh, win in Super, Super 2 uh, with Brody Kostecki taking the round and two race wins as well as the pole position at Sandown. And they as a team certainly have come on leaps and bounds, so they're ready to jump up probably uh, in the near future. Mm. Anyway, um, it's certainly a... a Big uh, Bathurst. There are a whole bunch of things happening this week, uh, such as the 45th and final Falcon Challenge before the Mustang comes on stream for next year. Um, To that end, Ford have brought out a GT with Ryan Briscoe doing laps. It's uh, going to be an interesting race because uh, uh, the uh, fastest lap time, uh, maybe not the uh, lap record as such, uh, last year, uh, Scott McLaughlin did a two three eight three, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if you know there's speculation about a fifty nine or sub two minute lap. Think that could be in the in the cards uh, this year, Craig? I don't.
3: I actually think it's a bridge too far. But now that I've said it, I'll probably be made to look like a fool.
2: No, I don't think. I don't think any foolish. And of course, the cars are back on the hard tire for Bathurst. And uh, there are uh, no wildcards this year. Um, There's a full field of something, -something, 20-something Super 2s running in their 250k race. And there's an awful lot of drivers, young drivers like Dumbrell and uh, Jacobson and um, a whole bunch of them who are doing both uh, both the uh, Super 2 and the 1000k race. So that'll all be interesting to see uh, that particular episode uh, pan out on lap times as well. Mm. Um, it's been a very big week one of the uh, saddest things about the week was the uh, uh, death of Bob Jane uh, who of course wrote his name very large at Bathurst and at Phillip Island the predecessor sharing with uh, Harry Firth in uh, Cortinas
3: Um, quite an extraordinary man indeed, he won four touring car titles, he won four endurance races Uh, I think Two at Phillip Island, sixty-one, sixty-two, Then 63, he again teamed up with uh, Harry Firth to win the first at Bathurst. And then was it George Reynolds in 64 uh, when he won his fourth endurance title at Bathurst. Uh, well, his second at Bathurst and his fourth endurance title. So a successful businessman, a, uh, a very shrewd businessman with uh, multiple interests in the motor industry
2: indeed and of course uh, at his peak probably best known for his thunderdome the calder nascar style uh, track um but also uh, the very large part he paid in the australian grand prix coming to australia now uh, quite extraordinary i uh, did a story about uh, those grand Prix in the former pacific days um starting with what was the first, was a composite uh, race at Calder in 1980. Um, There's a a wonderful tale. Um, I was fortunate enough, Bob gave me access to his filing cabinet. And one of the things that uh, came to light was that in 1979, the Australian Grand Prix for domestic uh, cars was held as a warm-up to the Sandown 500 in 1979. And... uh, Cams went to Bob and asked him if he would hold the Grand Prix at Calder uh, in order so it would be a standalone event and have a better priority in the world. And, of course, uh, Bob rang up what had been one of his salesmen over at uh, South Yarra Sports Car Sales, uh, a a young chap by the name of A. Jones. He rang him up as the championship was uh, getting into Frank Williams' uh, hands, for the first time, and uh, Alan agreed to bring it down, and that's when uh, Bruno Giacomelli and Alfa Romeo and well, the 5000s and Formula Pacific, it was a, a, a fantastic race, uh, only because uh, it was a celebration of Alan Jones' World Championship. Quite extraordinary sort of time, and uh, there can't be enough priority put on the fact that Bob helped the Grand Prix come to this country. Yeah.
3: Anyway, um, that was uh, just part of the story of Bob Jane. Yeah, very interesting because uh, as we heard on the show uh, when Kim Jones was on it earlier this year, of course Bob was the uh, godfather to uh, certainly Kim. I'm not sure about him. It might have been Kim and Brad. No, and I think it was. It was both of them. It was both of them. Yeah, and um, of course at the. Most recent Sandown, they ran a tribute livery on the uh, Freightliner car. And uh, you'd have to wonder if uh, this week there's been some conversation to say, could we keep that or could we reuse that livery again on the car for Bathurst uh, because of his passing? So we'll have to wait and see. Nick Perkett, of course, has got Repco sponsorship. For this round with uh, Brad Jones Racing, and and as you mentioned, the Ford highlights. Uh, it looks like the uh, stand, uh the Ridgeway car has got uh, a throwback to the Ford Performance days in his livery. So uh, a number of things being done, and oh, and of course, let's not forget the Perkins livery, which is also being done down at Nissan, where they've uh, they've always maintained their Castro links, and uh, in this last year. Of Nissan, they've gone with a uh, Perkins Castro livery once again, especially for the mountain.
2: Yeah, indeed, that's a '93 winning champion uh, winning uh, livery. Um, Just one thing uh, we're talking about the Joneses. Of course, Bob uh, Jane had a long involvement with Hume Weir, uh, where of course uh, Phil Jones, the father of Brad and Kim, he was one of the major uh, players up at uh, Hume Weir, uh, and. well, you know, it, it uh, just another just another part of uh, the Bob Jane legacy. Anyway, um, before we go too much further, we should get into uh, our discussion with uh, Mr. Fogarty and Mr. Bannon about uh, their thoughts on Bathurst two thousand and eighteen. So, after the break, we'll have Mark Fogarty and John Bannon.
0: Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task.
2: Uh, we were able to beat the 2 the boys and,
5: uh,
4: and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do to, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was
3: a great weekend for the rappers uh, representative family.
0: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.
2: Welcome back to Inside Supercars. We're joined this week, Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock, by Mark Fogarty and John Bannon. Mark, of course, being editor-at-large for Auto Action and a contributor to Supercar Extra, as is John Bannon. So welcome, gentlemen.
1: Hello to you all. Hello, it's fine know. pre-Bathurst week and we're all excited, aren't we?
2: Well, I'm sure that you guys are because you're all heading to the mountain, I assume? Yes, Absolutely. of course. John? Who's not? Yes,
1: indeed.
4: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a wonderful week to be a, a motorsport fan, particularly an Australian motorsport fan. And uh, no doubt, uh, if you're into... Something with four wheels, and uh, you'll be at the mountain this weekend. It's certainly been an interesting year. Absolutely, which is uh, which is always good to see. Uh, it's good that uh, motorsport crosses both sides of the Tasman, and there's plenty of proud Kiwi fans uh, on the other side of the ditch. And I'm sure they'll be making their way to Mount Panorama too, or at least checking in on their TV screens.
1: Yeah, good get there, John. Just a little inside joke there, viewers.
2: And uh, it's certainly been an interesting year. We've seen the speed of uh, DJR Team Penske. We've uh, again marvelled at the dominance of a uh, 888 team, now getting a a triple podium for their uh, three cars. Uh, Do we think the ZB is going to continue to uh, show this sort of dominance, Mark?
1: You'd think so. It's been a discussion point all season that the ZB Commodore has a high-speed aerodynamic advantage, and not only does it appear on the basis of Sandown and the last couple of events before that, does it have that, but generally the development of the ZB has been ramped up spectacularly in recent rounds by Triple Eight, so they have to go to Mount Panorama as the overwhelming favourites. Will they lock out the podium? Probably not. There's just too much variance in the Bathurst 1000. Too much can and usually does go wrong. But they are certainly the team to beat by far.
2: And John?
4: Well, I would love to, uh, for the sake of uh, an entertaining podcast, have some sort of biff with folks and disagree with him in regards to what he's just said. But it's it's really hard uh, to, to do so. I mean, they they broke the, uh, the lap record at Sandown, I think Dumbrell uh set the fastest time on the Friday which Wind Cup bedded on the Saturday and uh that car and uh its performance just continues to improve the gap over the rest of the field and uh, as folks said, you know, there they certainly can buses can certainly throw up a surprise or two and uh but really the cars are so reliable uh these days and in addition to that looking at the weather forecast so far it looks like we're Going to have fine weather at Bathurst at this stage. Uh, it, it's really hard to imagine uh, what could prevent at least one of their cars from uh, from winning uh, the great race on Sunday.
1: And, and, and don't forget, guys, Mount Panorama is a very different track to Sandown, so there may be some variation in performance. But it still does have two very long straights, and. You know, even if you were to believe Triple H's argument, that their main advantage at Sandown was their drive out of the corners and, you know, they got more speed out of the turns onto the straight. Well, you know, that's still going to help them at Mountain Panorama. So it will be a different situation. But, you know, I still think it gets back to them being the, the team to beat.
2: It's been interesting to see the way in which responded to the DJR Tim Pensky their qualifying speed and then race wins because um, certainly uh, Scotty's got race wins there to his name. But uh, will DJ Team Penske be able to respond properly to the Triple uh, Eight Challenge? Do you think that, uh, Mark? I wouldn't be
1: betting any money on it, Tony. Honestly, it's, um, they're up against it. That car, the FGX Falcon, even in its best iteration, which is run by DJ Team Penske, is at its absolute limit that's the extent of its performance that it's got right now. can't go any further, I don't think. Scott McLaughlin is just living on his wits. He's driving out of his skin to try and keep up. You know, the game has changed since, well, I think it's, it really started at Sydney Motorsport Park in the night race, but at Talon Bend, that's where it really shifted. So they're just, they're just hanging out, and, you know, they're going to have to rely, I think, on, well, certainly their prime car, Scott McLaughlin and Alex Pramard, are going to have to rely on, well, a combination of good luck, good strategy, and more good luck.
2: One of the good things that's been seen with the ZB is that both Erebus um, have continued on the form they had at Bathurst last year. Um, They've already had more wins this year than they did last year. Um, but also that Walkenshaw and Brad Jones—they've—they've they've equally shown that skill to get something out of the ZB. John, well, not only
4: that, but Dave Reynolds has proven time and time again that he's a bit of a master at Bathurst. Uh, while he's only won the won the race on on one occasion now, in twenty twelve, I, I think it was uh, he he really took uh, it down to the the wire as well there, finishing uh, second to Cup. To so. Look, uh, it seems every year uh, he puts in a good performance at Bathurst. He's extremely strong there. Uh, they have had the strong season that you've mentioned, Tony, so uh, that will only help uh, improve their chances uh, further. I mean, they're probably in the same spot as DJR Team Penske. They've probably got uh, an equal shot at winning the race, Um And, uh, yeah, I mean, War Control uh, have continued to improve uh, throughout the season, Uh, you know, particularly in the hands of Scott Pye, although there was a few races there where they dipped back a bit, but uh, he was back on in form and sand down, and obviously with the confidence boost of last year, uh, you know, I think they could sneak on the podium. I don't think they're a a genuine chance to win the race unless uh, a few cards fall their way, but... um, yeah, certainly. Uh, everyone without Holden package seems to have a distinct advantage.
2: Tickford have won the race twice in the last five years, but this season they are definitely not. I mean, would the you like yet. to hear what, what I, I, think, I about
1: think about? Absolutely, those other contenders. Absolutely. If, if, if you don't mind, thank you. Reynolds and Yildon, strong pairing. Reynolds has great form at Mount Panorama. He always gets up. He's flat out fast there. Can they win it again? Of course they can. Will there be contenders? I should think so. But can they win it on flat-out pace against the likes of Triple Eight? No, they cannot. So they have to rely on some sort of intervention. Uh, Walking about sure Andretti United? Well, they always get up for that one big occasion a year—the Bathurst 1000. You know, stunning second for Pi and Luff last year in those grubby conditions. Uh, and the team has improved measurably this year. So um, along with James Courtney and Jack Perkins, I, you can't discount them. They're certainly a podium chance. And, you know, if one of them won, I wouldn't be totally shocked. Ray Jones Racing, yes, I would be shocked. I mean, I like the look of Nick Perkett and, and McCauley Jones. They were strong last year. I think they're going to be strong again. And back in the day, BJR used to have the magic touch at Bathurst, but we haven't seen that for a while. But if they're to do any any damage there, I'd be looking at Perkhead and Jones. So you know, everyone's in the mix, aren't they,
3: folks? I mean, if, if we you're have another going... race
1: like 2014, well, all bets are off,
3: folks. If you're going for emotional wins, then it's the Brad Jones team that's going to be running on the uh, the emotion of, uh, you know, having um, Bob Jane as the, uh, as the uh, Brad and Kim's godfather. So that yeah. will be an interesting story that, you know, maybe... Yeah,
1: but it's that emotion, Craig, honestly. Craig's the word, isn't it? Craig Lowndes.
3: Yeah, but he's going to be back there another five, six times, isn't? He? You know, this is. Oh yeah, well you we
1: tell that to the fans. You know, they're always they're already waving goodbye. You know, it's a big farewell, the River Durruti Lounge, as far as they're concerned. Yes, of course he'd be back. You know, innumerable times. But you know, it would be a fairy tale if he and Richo could get up this year of all years to win it. And of course they can.
3: Twenty years they're since Richo won contention. it with Jason Bright.
1: Twenty years ago, yeah. Mm.
3: There's a fact for you, John.
4: Yeah, no, I, I read that during the week. So, And, I, I mean, just on that car, on, on Brighty and um, and Holdsworth, uh, I, I guess probably not a great deal is necessarily expected from them. But I, I sort of view them as a bit of a, a dark horse in the same way that, uh, uh, you know, perhaps uh, Jacobson and, and uh, Kelly are in, in, in the Nissan. Um, probably, you know, they're two pairings that people aren't necessarily looking at for, for the win, but if, you know, certain cars... went their way uh you know they could certainly be up there uh thanks to you know the experience and and uh i guess the the combinations of those of those two teams dark
1: horse so dark you'll never be able to see them (laughs) seriously (laughs) (laughs) oh look come on
4: well you know it's all very well to point out the on this uh, on this great show, the the obvious combination for the for the win, but I think it's worth looking at you know if, if a few incidents occurred, if there were some mechanical failures, who who might be there to to pick up the the pieces, and uh, I, I think particularly Kelly and Jacobson, I, I think they're a really um, good pairing. Uh, yes, and, you they know, are. Jacobson has, Jacobson has shown uh, in in last year, how what what talent and promise he's got. I... I actually think
1: they are a genuine chance. Certainly for a podium, I agree. Yes, we'll get those Datsuns up there yet. Oh no, they've actually they've been second once, weren't they? Two thousand and
4: fourteen. Just <laughs> <laughs> so, on let's have a look at uh, the rookies. Now we
1: um, saw. Well, we're about, Sorry, sorry, Tony, doing job, but we've helped confuse you here. But we do need to look at Kickford, don't we?
2: Four cars. Two of them have won the race before. Um, the pairings. Most of them seem fairly uh, uh, stable, you know, that uh, they've uh, been together a number of years, like uh, Dino and uh, Mark Winterbottom. How do you see them, sort of, uh, Mark? Uh,
1: I don't. Yep. Really. Sorry. But, yeah, unless they turn this year's form completely on its head, which many other experts say, well, you know, no matter what happens, they can always get up at Bathurst, and, you know, that's quite possible. But honestly, their form this year has just been desultory. I mean, really, two podiums all year. You know, Mark Wienerbottom's really been struggling. Chaz Mostert's shown bursts of speed, you know, and the rest of them just just nowhere. I mean, with the best will in the world, you could just, you could not rank them as contenders, that they would need so much fortune to go their way. But you make your you make your own luck at Bathurst. so I, I know it's a cliche, but you know anything could happen. But you know I, I'm not going I'm not going up to the local betting shop to put money on any of the tick tickfoot combinations. I'm afraid. I
4: mean, in terms of the teams, we've we've already mentioned they're obviously behind Triple Eight and DJR and Walkinshaw. Uh, you know they're at, at best. Uh, at the, at this stage, probably fourth in that pecking order, and I think really you just what happened. To Erebus,
3: on. John, Erebus has
4: to
1: be ahead of him as well.
4: Well, that's well exactly. So thank you for picking that up, Craig.
1: Yeah. So I think what, we already uh, said that.
4: So you know, really, you're looking you're looking at uh, Moss I think having a a complete blinder and, and really driving the the race of his life, and and um, mm-hmm. you know, driving the socks off the car, so to speak, uh, in order. In order for them to to really uh, have a chance of a, a podium and, and certainly a win,
1: oh, yeah. I mean, Chaz as a driver, you know, if it were just up to driver ability and spe- sheer speed, you know, he'd be right up there as a contender. You know, he he in the right car is as well. You've got to rank him right up there with Cup, van Gisburg and McLaughlin, you know, as 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 the the absolute pace setters, but you know. He just doesn't have. It doesn't look like he's got the wheels under him this year, unfortunately.
4: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, look, I'd, I'd love to spend my spend time disagreeing with folks, but he's just making really sensible points today.
1: I'm sorry. I'll try and I'll try hard to be more like. we we've got to make this more like Skaife and Ingle, you know.
4: <laughs> yes, deep hatred and all that sort of things.
1: Statler and Waldoff of, of supercars, or you know, the odd couple, but. <laughs> It's it's tough, isn't it? We're the odd
4: couple. It's definitely that.
1: Yes, we won't even get we won't get into hair colour, will we? No. no Let's face no. it.
3: Stadler and Waldorf always agreed. They just agreed that everything they were watching was rubbish.
1: All right, if you want to get picky about it, you got my point, though, didn't you?
3: So, look, is Tickford racing? I know <laughs> this was a, okay. Tony's.
1: scape and Ingle are the Bickersons, all
3: right. Mm. I, I know this was Tony's question, but I'm going to jump in with it, folks. Is Tickford yeah. Racing a spent force in supercars? Are they the Gold Coast Suns? I can't think of a rugby t- league team, Parramatta Eels of uh, of the sport where you know n- everyone will want to leave and no one wants to uh, s- No one wants to go and join them.
1: Ooh. spent force. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? Wow, you're going out on a limb there, Craig. Well, in a bigger picture. Bending is bowing. I think it's going to fall any moment. Crack. There it goes. But uh, you, could, you could make that Kate, yes. Mark, they have, they have to rely really on the Mustang program, guy? lifting that team back.
2: Mark, could you put your finger on a reason why you think uh, that Tickford, uh, you know, have dropped so dramatically from where they've been in recent years?
1: I can only think it's lack of cohesion. They have the resources, they have the people, they have the means, the backing, but it just, particularly this year, it just doesn't all seem to be coming together. Uh, I I guess the simple explanation would be you could say they're a team of stars rather than a star team.
4: Isn't it also a bit of an equipment issue here with... ZB being new and they're constantly throwing new bits at it and you know aren't they sort of dealing with a, a bit of an inferior package
1: well they are but you know DJ team Penske are at least still in the fight you know we as I said before we, I think we acknowledge that the FGX is at the very end of its life and certainly the ZB Commodore with AAA developing it, developing it have raised the bar tremendously in terms of just trick technology in that device, you know, which be careful what you wish for, because the genie's out of the bottle, and all that trick stuff is going to be multiplied in the Mustang next year because, you know, they've opened Pandora's box. I can't think of any more clichés, but you get my point, don't you?
2: (laughs) Uh, after the break, more with Mark Fogarty and John Bannon on Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news
0: from across Australia and around the world. This year
3: in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I still leave for myself uh, a sustainable career in tin
0: tops such as the yeah, supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times It's worth have been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at the Freeway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au
2: Welcome back to Inside Supercars, with Craig Gravel and Tony Whitlock, Mike Fogarty and John Bannon. Do you see uh, the Bathurst uh, podium and can you see some new faces on it? People who haven't been there before
4: people that haven't been there before. As I alluded to earlier, um, well, one half of this uh, pairing has been there before in, in, in Rick Kelly and, and Gary Jacobson. I think they're a chance for a podium. Obviously, Rick has been there before. Gary has not. Uh, I, I really think outside the main teams that we've listed at the top of this show that it would be difficult to see uh, you know any of them come out. I mean, there, there tends to be a... I mean, I know a couple of years ago, uh, Percat managed to drag the, the Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport car onto the podium at, at, at Bathurst. So, look, these, these things uh, can happen. But in terms of an outsider winning the race, someone not in those sort of top four teams, uh, no, I, I cannot. I can't see that happening. Bar um, a, you know freak weather uh, or just a really big list of, of retirements which I just think is so unlikely unlike in today's day and age and
1: Mark uh, indeed the depth at the top of the field is just too deep you know to to think that an outsider will shoot through just on sheer pace and, and the race going you know in a reasonably order, orderly fashion you know if there's the usual nonsense and you know late safety cars and, you know, all any other catastrophe that you can think of. Yeah, well, you know, pretty much anyone can get up. Um, but, you know, if I were looking at an outsider off the top of my head, you know, I'd go for Jack LeBrock and Jonathan Webb. Okay. Car. Yeah, that team, which has been reconstructed and, you know, bolstered this year. They, they tend to get up a bassist, and you know, well, there they were in 2016.
2: Hey ho, we win. I'll, I'll throw up one, and they shone at uh, Sandown until uh, there was a, a mistake made by Will Brown, Anton Di Pasquale. He's been putting in so many big yards uh, through this year, at times out qualifying his more uh, favoured teammate. But he, uh, Anton and Will Brown, I think, are definite podium chance. I think they have shown the sort of uh, things you need to do in order to get there. So I think there they uh, the chance uh, as both as rookies and uh, to be on the podium.
1: Yeah, they're certainly the young gun pair to watch. Podium might be a bit of a stretch, but uh, yeah, they're a good combination. I agree. Yeah. Okay.
2: So, um, Craig Lowndes has been no announcements about his future other than the fact that he could be in one of the two Triple Eight cars cars. Um, y- you obviously would feel very much that he has so much to add to any, any car or team that he's going to be driving for.
1: Well, he's, he's got a safe seat, hasn't he? Yeah. Job for life. So, unfortunately, they're cutting back to th- uh, two cars next year. So, you know... He's going to take somebody, well, a couple of co-drivers are not going to have a job next year, are they? And so he's sliding straight in and you'd imagine he'd be paired up with Wind Cup. I mean, that's the logical combination given their previous success together back in the days when the, when the two guns could run together. Um, so, you know, Craig's got that job as a co-driver at Triple pretty much as long as he wants and as long as he remains competitive, which at Bathurst, you could, you wouldn't be surprised if he went another 10 years. What else he's going to be doing for the rest of his life? Well, who knows? You know, there's talk about him joining the Fox, the, the supercars broadcast team in in some role, and I'm sure you'll see him make appearances next year. How many, I think, will be dictated by... Well, obviously, he won't be doing any commentary while he's doing the enduro races, um, but his other appearances will be dictated by whatever... Other program he has, be that international races, you know, he has a desire to race at Le Mans and Spa and places like that, and GTs, maybe Triple Eight. Yet to see, they might get up a local GT program. So um, I, I don't think he'll be sitting on the couch too much, but um, you're right to point out that we don't actually know, apart from the Enduros, what he's doing next year and beyond.
4: And the course will be doing a hell of a lot of, hell of, a lot of
1: brand ambassador work, uh,
4: as, as well uh, as part of whatever uh, role he he ends up with, uh, and I think as as Mark said earlier as well, uh, that I think being spurred on by by the fans uh, this this weekend, this is his last uh, full time go at Bathurst, uh, I, I think uh, that I mean he always performs so strongly at Bathurst. There, I think they are an additional chance of winning this race. Um, just because, I guess you mentioned earlier, Craig, as well, about the emotion behind it, and uh, I think uh, Craig and Richo will certainly be up for a big one this weekend.
1: Yeah, all day long, those two. Got to put some money on them.
2: Speaking of legends, um, Mark, I particularly would like uh, your uh, comment on uh, Bob Jane's legacy. Um, you have been around for um, most of Bob's racing life, obviously not the very early part of it, but... Uh, you would have crossed swords at some stage with him?
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. Many times. Well, if, like me, you grew up in Melbourne in the 60s and the early 70s, you couldn't miss Bob Jane. He was everywhere. You know, tyre stores, car dealerships, racing hero, racing patron, racetrack owner. He was everywhere. And... He has left an enormous legacy. He's one of the all-time legends of Australian motor racing. You know, my goodness, he was a difficult, difficult man, honestly. But I loved the fact that he was just, well, I've called him the last great iconoclast because, you know, Bob basically just did and said what he wanted to. And for us, his passion was motorsport. And the amount of money and time he poured into motorsport over the years, particularly in the 70s and 80s, even including follies like the Thunderdome, you know, he enriched our sport to a tremendous extent. He also created great divisions, don't forget. He was always at war with, well, basically everyone and anyone really, but certainly with the Confederation of Australian Motorsport, long-running battle, and, you know, inevitably he fell out with what was then VA supercars. Um, And, you know, there are two physical monuments remaining to him, of course, which is actually quite tragic, you know, Calder Park Raceway and Adelaide International Raceway, which if you're into, you know, if there's such a sport as as weed racing, <laughs> both would be tremendous venues. But I just I can't understand why those two complexes are lying idle when we desperately need tracks. But you know, that's a whole nother story for another day that would take a very long
2: time. Indeed. I uh, just must tell you this quick one, uh, Mark. Um, In 99, Bob took me doing race facts up to Motegi uh, for a race with about six or eight Australian NASCARs. They raced against uh, Winston West. And there was a moment on the uh, Saturday night, because, of course, there was no Sunday racing, the race finished on Saturday, where uh, I was told that if I wanted, I could have Bob Jane's bed, which I did sleep in. Fortunately, he was in Australia at the time.
5: Sorry, Tony, was, was that Motegi or I thought there was Suzuka?
2: No, Motegi. There were there were two events happened. One when Jim Richards was there, and one when he wasn't. Ninety nine, he wasn't there. So
1: there was there was one at Suzuka, wasn't
2: there? There was one. That was the earlier one, and that was with the real NASCAR guys. This was NASCAR Winston West guys, um, and uh, they were mostly t-shirt races. But uh, it was.
1: You know, he was a fabulous character, and oh,
2: wasn't he? It-
1: and underneath it all, let's not forget, a hell of a race driver. Yes, you know, yes. race wins and titles. You know, coming out is proverbial. I mean,
2: yeah, four times.
1: You know, armstrong come Bathurst 1000 or 500 or whatever it was. You know, yes. how many touring car? Four touring car titles. So
4: well, wow. it, it's it's also hard to add to what. Um, Foges and Tony, you've both said that, but the, I think the the other point to make is, in terms of judging someone's motorsport, is how how much have they been heard about out in the general public outside the motorsport world? And I think you'll find uh, of the few motorsport stars and icons uh, over the years, Bob Jane is certainly a name that the general public were familiar with, as well as the motorsport fraternity, which I think goes some way to to showing, um, you know, what what an important figure
1: um, he has been. Yeah. And that, you know, he all leveraged that out of racing. His his fame as a racing driver enabled him to establish the Bob Jane T-Mouths chain at one stage, you know, in Southern Motors in Melbourne, which was back then the biggest Holden dealership in the Southern Hemisphere. Well, where else? But, you know, it was huge. And the Bob Jane Group, its tentacles extended everywhere. As I said, the race tracks. But you know, at one stage, the Bob Jane Corporation even owned Linda Blankets. He oh, was yeah. everywhere, as I said. Couldn't grow up in this town without knowing Bob Jane as a huge, a larger-than-life figure.
2: And of course, uh, for some time, he actually sponsored the uh, Bathurst One Thousand for a couple of years there. So. Yes, as you say, Mark, that he was a protagonist with both uh, other competitors on track and with most of motorsport in some way, shape or form. Well, I hope uh, we've uh, shown an insight into it. The one thing I would like to ask and putting you on the spot is both of you to give us uh, a winner of the Bathurst that you think is likely and also the podium, those uh, those three cars that will be on the podium. So just give it some thought and... uh, um, Mark?
1: Easy. Cup yep. Dumbrell. Yep. McLaughlin, Kramer, Lounge, Richards.
4: Okay. John? Uh, I agree with the first one. I think that Cup uh, and Dumbrell, and also I think Cup will be so motivated by trying to get back into the championship fight. So I think that'll be a, a big reason for him to push... At, at Bathurst, and, and from there I think Lowndes will definitely be on the podium and as I've mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm predicting that Nissan will get on the podium this year so let's, I'll give my third spot to uh, Kelly and Jacobson Well, We'll I'll...
1: soon see how little we know, won't we? Indeed, <laughs> I,
3: I, you could ask me Tony, which is Van Gisberg yep. and Bamber, McLaughlin and Prema and Slade and I can't remember who's driving with him but I'll just go with that one
2: Okay, well I'll put my tuppence worth out there I think actually Van Gisbergen and Bamba Who are cherry ripe to take the top step Shane hasn't had it yet He wants it at that mountain And he certainly wants to extend his championship lead And I think that uh, Di Pasquale and uh, Brown will, will be also On the podium And I think that Reynolds and Yulden will back up their Bathurst Win from last year by being on the podium as well So it'll be a double Erebus podium For them it's been wonderful to to hear from the uh, the two of you, and uh, look forward to uh, hearing tales from the mountain, uh, and and reading the words that come from your typewriters or laptops, as I should say, I suppose.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, yeah, I haven't had a typewriter for forty years, but yeah.
2: yeah okay. Well, I've still got one,
1: <laughs> and, uh, and uh, just as <laughs> just as as all, of course, except for John. You know, at the end of the day, something will happen, and Lee Holsworth. And Jason Bright will win the Bathurst 1,000. Come charging through from
4: the back of the pack,
3: Well, there's an emotional one. That's another 20 years because it was Richards and Bright that won it 20 years ago when it was in yeah. November in the searing heat.
1: All right, gentlemen, it's been fun as always. I have to head off. I'm going for, well, I don't like to name drop, except I do. I'm going to have drinks with Peter Jansen, Captain Peter Jansen.
2: Say hello from me and give him a kick in the shins. Oh, oh thanks,
4: uh Thanks, everyone. That was a good chat, and we'll um, catch you all at the mountain.
2: After the break, our final thoughts, and most of it will be around Barry Ryan, Dave Reynolds, Luke Yulden, and them discussing, or Barry Ryan discussing, what they need to do to win it again.
0: Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around
1: the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's go Grand Prix, and I just remind myself of of his part in in starting the path to safer
0: cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion.
1: Jack Brabham certainly left his mark, not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world.
0: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page.
2: Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Revelle will be uh, on the show and this week we're talking with Barry Ryan, discussing Erebus and their post-sandown uh, result, and also looking forward to about So first up, congratulations. Um, not a podium, but uh, fifth place is a pretty good one for uh, David and Luke. Yeah, thanks,
5: Tony, and thanks for having us on the show again. Um, yeah, it was a great weekend, actually, get
2: You've been showing increasing pace with the number 9 car, and also 99 as well with Anton. Um, But you've been showing increasing pace, I mean, obviously ZB um, is suiting you. Yeah, um, like I said earlier in the year, it's
5: probably the same. We haven't noticed a massive difference between the VF and the ZB. The ZB is a little bit more stable in the back of the car, not quite as good in the front, there's some tracks where that really helps and, you know, a couple of big braking areas at Sandown's good for that and I think it'll be, um, it'll suit it nicely at Bathurst as well.
2: Right. Um, the other standout of course was, uh, from Sandown it was the, uh, uh, the speed and, and, uh, while it was only a 12th place, which is not, nothing ever to be sneezed at, uh, Will and Anton, I mean, they certainly did a fantastic job.
5: Yeah, really good for Anton to, um, Ticket seventh on the, in the qualifying and, um, and then Will's the race so well in the co-driver ra- race. It was, um, it was good because, you know, a few people have sort of said this year, oh, Will's sort of, why'd you pick Will? And, because he wasn't really performing that well in the super, two, the super 2 this year, but, um, yeah, we backed our decision and, um, you know, just treated him like we treated Anton and gave him plenty of respect for a young kid. and um, every time he's got in the car at test days and he's been very mature and um, listened, he, he drives the car the way we want him to drive the car and, you know, he's been really good and Anton's just continually getting better, so yeah, yeah. both those young blokes, it was great.
2: Well, well, both of them, I mean, are certainly standing up well and truly to the scrutiny put under them in uh, supercars um, and also that they're rewarding, you know, the faith you had in, in putting him in there because... You know, as you said, uh, uh, some people around the paddock were saying, oh, Will's not going well, or you know, he's falling off and whatever, but for me, this young man. Yeah, he's a great young young guy, and he puts a lot of effort
5: into his racing, and um yeah, he, he's he got the job, the talent for sure, and sometimes you just need the right environment, and not saying Eagleston's not, but um yeah, they're, they're cars, even with, now uh, he might be leading the championship but he probably hasn't been as dominant this year as he's been in the past years so um, yeah he's, he's definitely, every time he stepped in our car he's been really good so we can't question that.
2: Another part of your equation of uh, success is your engineering group Alice McVean um, and the uh, way in which they've gone around uh, obviously adapting to the ZB but um, the from the weekend, there are, there are obvious uh, uh, things that uh, well, not obvious things, but there would appear things that you could actually do to get your game uh, a bit closer to the front end?
5: Yeah, hi, overall this year Marco has really come on strong too, Marco De Rosa he, he yep. is um, Anton yep. so, uh, Alistair leads the group but um, Marco and the young guys that work with him they've all worked together so well and 99 bounces off nine, nine bounces off 99, and they really learn together. Which, um, yeah, it's, sometimes engineering groups don't do that because the ego gets in the way. But both our guys, um, our main engineers, Alison and Merko, um, put their egos aside, the, and they just they just work together because they want to um, do the best for the team. And yeah, working together gets them both individual results for their cars as well. So you know, it's a credit to to that little department
2: that um, we're going so good. One of the items that has been identified by Supercar as the organisation is the Albans Transaxle. Now, at uh, Sandown, uh, Macaulay Jones had it on board his Brad Jones car, the extract gearbox or Transaxle. Um, Have you had a lot of dissatisfaction with the Albans? Um,
5: Not really, wouldn't it? Yeah, as um, most gearboxes, there's, there's little bits and pieces every now and again and some things you can't explain. A, a gear, a certain gear will do 6,000 kilometres and then next time you put it in it does 1,500 kilometres. But, Alvin's back up their product with, you know, if there's a, like, kick market or two, if it hasn't done 5,000, well, you get, um, credit pro rata. And um, really, uh, bang for buck, we haven't had a real issue times you get a little bit frustrated with the inconsistency of the mileage you get out of the parts, but um, that comes with any, I think, any supplier. So, be very surprised if what we hear, we rumoured, X-Track, because we've had nothing official told to us from Supercar.
2: Well, I understand yeah. that at the Gold Coast, you'll be informed about what the uh, program will be moving to. Yeah,
5: that's
2: what
5: I understand by the speed Yeah, well. Um, yeah, that, but yeah, let's wait and see. Yeah. If it's better and it's, um, we don't have to service it as much, well, that's a good thing, because, um, you know, we do service them fairly regularly, but, um, yeah, a lot of the time we service them now, and we, we sort of know what parts we're going to have to replace. Yeah. Um, it's
2: not unpredictable. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, uh, of course, Barry, uh, in a former life, you already had a couple of wins at Bathurst, back in the days of uh, Kmart racing.
5: Yeah, well, actually, it came up, uh, um, the year, I left them the year they won. Oh. And I went to Larry's, so what? I didn't, wasn't part of that, but, um, yeah, we, we, um, we had some good results there, and, yeah, that and was my uh, first win last year, so, after the 12-gallon.
2: And, and, of course, the continued success across this season with, uh, particularly with David, but also Anton and his qualifying. And, and, you know, I mean, young blokes, they have to learn how to race, they have to learn how to race in this pack. And so it's not surprising that Anton occasionally comes into uh, contact with somebody and, you know, obviously he's learning the lessons now. But your continued uh, speed across this season must really, you know, make you feel pretty good about, uh, you know, going back to Bathurst to defend your title. Yeah, definitely. Like
5: um, last year, we went to Bathurst obviously thinking we could get a decent result but we never really thought we could win it. We thought, didn't think we were in a position as a team and this year we definitely go there with the expectation that we can can win if it all goes well. We um, have a fast car because that's critical. Um, yeah, going back to Anton, he yeah, he's probably put himself in a few situations where yeah, he was putting on 50-50 moves on people where uh, now we sort of agreed that, 80%, it has to be at least 80% before you yeah. move on, but it's really, it's such a tight and competitive category that you, sometimes you, you put your nose in a position and you have to take the opportunity, otherwise somebody behind you will and you'll get taken out, so it's not easy and, um, you know, we, we haven't been too hard on him, but we're both, we've certainly said we can't lose any more points for our championship, so you need, to, um, just think that a little
2: bit more when he's going through a certain move. Well, Barry, thanks so much for talking to us. Um, I, I was hoping that uh, over the weekend of Bathurst um, that uh, I'll arrange through Shannon, if we can, maybe to talk maybe on a Friday night or something like that just to uh, catch an update on uh, how qualifying went and how the weekend's going. Is that, that would suit you? Yeah, no problem, yeah. Wonderful, Barry. Thanks so much, Barry Ryan from Erebus Motorsport. Look forward to... Uh, Watching your results, and I know Shannon's hinted at some uh, surprising livery things coming up for that first.
5: Yeah, I know. It's going to be
2: looking good, I think.
3: Craig, your final thoughts as you prepare to head to the mountain? My final thought is it's Craig Lowndes' last as a full-time main-game driver. He's going to be going back quite a few times as a co-driver. So outside the industry, does anyone really care? Well, we know the people who will be on the
2: mountain... Care a great deal because he is certainly by far the most popular driver in the paddock uh, it's, it's obviously a vexed question um, because uh, he represents Motorsport in Australia certainly
3: since Peter Brock left hmm. and uh, that is a an entire discussion for another show <laughs> is who's going to fill Indeed. the void yeah. Indeed. Um, what about yours, what's your final thought yeah.
2: well I suppose, given that it's such a competitive season, although, you know, 888 was showing it to be their dominant season again, like their time from a few years back, I suppose the one thing I'd ask for most, and it's a a constant sort of thing, is a competitive race, one where we see multiple competitors, and we know nowadays, because of safety cars, that there are, you know, I think there were 10 cars on the lead lap last year, and there have been, you know, 19, and because of the the safety cars you can always stay on the lead lap but I suppose the one thing would be to see as many cars still on that uh, lead lap as the final 30 laps uh, count down and to see a competitive race um, that's what I'd love to see and certainly uh, a Falcon win would uh, be a fitting tribute given that uh, well you know they uh, certainly deserve it there have been times when Ford have come and gone but uh, a fitting tribute would be that Falcon win, or even so, even more so possibly uh, a Nissan win, uh, given that uh, the company has decided
3: to leave the Kellys to fight on alone with their uh, Altimas. Mm. It's going to be an interesting race as uh, for all the points we discussed with Fogues and John earlier, but uh, one thing's for sure, the race at Bathurst, racing at Bathurst, seldom disappoints if you think about not only the 1,000, but the the most recent six-hour production car races and, of course, the 12-hour, there is always uh, some fantastic moments and, more often than not, fantastic finishes. Indeed. Well, I'm sure that you'll watch
2: firsthand. I'll be watching from afar, but I look forward to seeing the 2018 Bathurst 1000 wind down and... Uh, as the season gets ready for coming up to its uh, climax towards the end of the year for McLaughlin and Van Gisbergen to fight out for the title. So enjoy your Bathurst and enjoy the rest of the show.
0: Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.